Hello, and a very warm welcome to the first episode of a brand new series of Alone Together. The coronavirus outbreak has changed the way we live our lives. We've had to adapt almost every aspect of our day-to-day routine, including how we socialize and see loved ones, how we work, how we exercise, even how we learn and how we shop. The list goes on. The Alone Together podcast has been with you since the very start of the pandemic and the beginnings of this strange new world, bringing you fact-filled interviews with experts, as well as paying tribute to our local heroes, the people who've done their bit to keep our communities going in lockdown. Here too on the podcast, we've had to adapt our ways of working. In order to bring you the show, myself, Dan and Morvin have been reporting from our homes across the UK, in Birmingham, Manchester and Edinburgh. So, we're back, and in this new series of Alone Together, we will be looking at life after lockdown. Coming up on today's episode. You know, I've heard about people who are doing things like online word puzzles. They stream Netflix and get deliveries at the same time. Um, You can join an online book club together. You can do all sorts of things. Um, Yeah, I think it was definitely more difficult at the beginning because everything was so new um, and we hadn't lived in such close proximity before. Um, And also because there was so much uncertainty as well, uh, there was was definitely little strains here and there and little annoying habits that um, we definitely did notice with each other. I think coming out of that, you know, if you're in a turbo relationship and, you, you know, you've had this time together and you're now feeling very much coupled up and you're now negotiating going back to normal or the new new normal, I think um, the things there really is to talk about the expectations you both have. You know, don't make assumptions. You know, I think that's true of any relationship. Communicate what you're thinking and feeling and, and ask the other person what they're thinking and feeling. If you haven't guessed already... We're looking at dating and relationships in these extraordinary times. For some of us, the lockdown has added a new dimension to our relationships, or indeed, added pressures. And for the likes of me and my fellow singletons, with dates out of the question due to social distancing, we've had to find new ways to connect with new people. Thankfully, online dating has been there to lend a helping hand. I spoke with Rachel Lloyd, relationship expert at eHarmony to find out what changes they've seen in the dating world since the start of the coronavirus outbreak. So so the first question I'm going to ask is, what have you seen on eHarmony during the lockdown and since the lockdown? Have there been more users interacting? Well, it's interesting because just before the lockdown, our numbers went down. They dipped quite significantly. And, you know, like a lot of people, it felt a bit like the apocalypse And we wondered what was going to happen next. And I honestly thought people aren't going to want to date now. That You know, our numbers are just going to plummet. But then what happened was during the first week of April, our numbers shot back up. So communication on the site increased by half. And signups went up by 50% too. And that's the equivalent of like our busiest time of the year, which is normally January, just after Christmas, when everyone's desperate to date again. And it was, we were astounded, we were delighted, but it was almost as if people were sort of initially scared, obviously, of what was happening. And then once they were in lockdown, they needed to be connected. They really wanted to have meaningful relationships. And is this across all age groups or is it a specific age group? Well, it is across all age groups. And, you know, we also launched video date very quickly. We were going to do video date anyway. 
we had to speed up the product map to bring that out for lockdown. And that's an even split of men and women seem to have adopted that. Um, and, you know, the average, the average video date is about an hour. So it's been a really interesting sea change moment in the way people date. I mean, that was going to be my next question is what creative ways of users been dating with the restrictions in place? So video yeah. dating is one of them. Have you heard about well, yeah. any more? Well, people are obviously doing things that they can symbiotically, you know, I've heard about people are doing things like online um, word puzzles. Um, they stream Netflix and get deliveries at the same time. Um, you can join an online book club together. You can do all sorts of things. Um, so there is like a lot of choice, but I think predominantly people are going either for the kind of video date on dating apps or they're going for Zoom calls, you know, or WhatsApp video calls instead of that first physical date, um, which in many ways I think takes the pressure off. I mean, will this crisis change the way we would date? Will, will that then video calls be the new norm? Could that be the first date before the first physical date? Absolutely. Over half of people that we polled, because we did a poll about this specific subject, said that they believe that online dating had changed and would stay changed, if you like, indefinitely because of COVID. And video date is part of that. So if you think about, you know, before we had this crisis, first dates, let's be realistic. For a lot of people, the first online date can be excruciating. You know, it's nerve wracking. You've got to go to some bar or park in town. You, you don't know if the person's really going to look like their photos. You don't really know what their traits are going to be like when you're actually with them one-to-one. -one. And, and video date allows, it takes that pressure off. It allows people to explore, getting to know each other and seeing each other's facial expressions and body language without the cost of normal dating, shall we say. And without that, you know, I've got to go somewhere across town and meet a stranger and I'm just not sure if it's going to work or not. It's, le it's much less risk. I can certainly sympathise with the excruciating first dates. I've got far too many <laughs> examples. Too. It's one of those things where you end up going on this first day, you know within the first five minutes this isn't going to work, but you have to stay there for an hour or you two. You have to stay. I agree. It's like the two-drink rule. It's like I feel like I've got to stay for at least two drinks, but I can't just neck really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> because we're so polite, aren't we, as a culture of the Brits, that we don't like to just go, sorry, it's not working, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The, the one thing I will ask, though, is with video dating, there is another element of risk, I, I've, you know, I'm, I'm bisexual. I've been on, on different um, dating apps such as Grinder, and one of the things yeah. that tends to happen on Grinder is you get photographs and videos you don't particularly want. How can you sort of set the rules for the video dates? Um, the rules that we have is that you have to have had, um, you know, proper contact. You can't just video date someone that you like the look of and hit, you know, video date button. You have to have exchanged messages, so that that helps reduce that risk you get a sense of what the person is like, what they're after. Well, well, if you so choose to, you can explore that before the date. Obviously, there will be people who break the rules. Um, you know, it, it's really difficult to police what people do once they're on camera. But obviously, we take any complaints really seriously and we would remove anyone from the platform who was, you know, harming other people's experience, shall we say. 
Um, but, you know, a lot of online dating, I've got to be honest, that there's always risk in any kind of date. There's, there's risk in a date if you meet someone, you know, in the good old days. Remember when we used to meet people in the pub? And you'd just you'd get a few drinks down, you would go and chat someone up, and that was sort of pre the online dating era. Or you met through friends or whatever it is. There was always a bit of risk attached. Um, and I think it's just a lot of this is common sense. And if you feel that someone is being abusive either by, you know, showing their body when you haven't asked for it, or or sexting, or whatever that looks like, you have every right to flag that to the app and remove remove yourself from that situation you know don't don't sort of try and brave it out in some way but i imagine there have been positives as well with the video dating yeah i mean there have they've been the longest in our company internationally the longest video date was eight hours long wow now there are a few jokes people were like well maybe one of them fell asleep (laughs) but (laughs) we like to think that they were just so enthusiastic about each other that they, um, they just couldn't put the video date down. So that was really nice. Um, and obviously people are meeting up more now, but it's, it's still a strange old world we're living in with our rates being monitored and, you know, social distancing. So, yeah, it's a tricky one. But, I mean, I'm, I'm so pl- – you know, what's interesting about video date, again, is before COVID hit the world, um, some apps already had it and nobody really bothered with it much. And a couple of years ago at eHarmony, we discussed, you know, shall we do it or not? And there was this kind of pushback of, well, the thing is, you know, research shows people don't really use it. Uh, Now, of course, they are using that way of meeting people. So that is where we can we can honestly say that the pandemic has brought about systemic change. Uh, What success stories have you heard from eHarmony? Well, we've I mean, we did a story last year on our eBabies, we call them. Um, so we did a lovely photo shoot with, with lots of couples who had had eHarmony children. Um, so in the UK, we've been operating for 12 years. So, you know, some of these are sort of bigger children now and babies. Um, we know that, um, I mean, look, you know, without wanting to sound too commercial, we, we did look at two years of data and found that someone found love, i.e. they tick a box on the site to say I've met someone and they leave the site every 14 minutes on average. So let's be realistic. Internet dating can be really tough, really hard. Press all your buttons. You know, some people find it sometimes really demoralizing. But if you stick at it and you, you want a meaningful relationship, you might, you might just want a bit of rumpy-bumpy, which is also fine. But for those who want something more meaningful, just, just persist and keep a sense of humor because you will eventually find love. I mean, I believe so. I think there's someone for everyone. Um, and just stay positive. What have you learned about relationships and dating in the lockdown of others and perhaps yourself as well? What have I learned? Well, I know that what really helps people is good adaptability skills, um, good conflict resolution skills. Couples, I mean, I know that, you know, we did our partnership recently with Relate and we looked at what the biggest sources of tension for couples were, which was obviously lockdown rules, which is a funny one, you know, childcare issues and finances. So those are big sort of challenges. Um, I think it's really interesting that singles did so well in lockdown because, um, you know, a third of singles said they actually realised they were quite happy on their own and they didn't know that previously. So I thought that was a really lovely finding. 
So they're quite robust. Um, you know, anecdotally, friends of mine have said to me that, um, you know, friends in relationships, shall we say, you know, it's been tough living together 24-7. You know, you're literally on top of each other. You don't have that much physical space. You're probably sharing workspace. Childcare is a biggie. People are exhausted who are in sort of family situations. And that's understandable. I think they're praying the schools will be back in September. Um, as I say, singles have done quite well, but we noticed that men struggled a bit more than women. So men were more likely to, to feel lonely and a bit more likely to feel less body confident during this period. One thing that we've noticed that, um, you know, from looking at people's behavior on the site and around dating is that during times of crisis, they innately crave more meaningful connection, whether it be friends, whether it be family, reevaluating their lives. And this is true of, of love and dating very much so. During 9-11, years ago, when 9-11 happened in America, eHarmony stopped advertising and was braced for, you know, to see a steep decline in anyone wanting to find love. And the reverse happened. The numbers went up by a third. People were, singles were really keen to find someone during that period. And in a not so dissimilar way, we see this pattern now with the pandemic where our numbers again shot up because people wanted, they didn't want to, they thought, you know, when I come out of this or when I go forward in my life with uncertainty breeds that need for security, I don't want to be alone. So we've seen that behavior. On a personal note, um, I actually uh, got back together with uh, an ex shortly before lockdown. And uh, we've been together on and off sort of previously for some years. And then we'd been apart for three and a half years. But actually, he got in touch and got really sort of like, when we sort of knew this thing was going to happen, he started leaving notes on my car because he was blocked, bless him. <laughs> I tried to have a clean break, you know. <laughs> and um, came around bearing gifts. And, I, uh, and at first, I mean, I mustn't say too much because he might listen and sort of tell me off. At first, I sort of felt we'd had a bit of a kind of pandemic relapse, you know, a romantic relapse. But actually, it's, it's like a new relationship. And we've, we've really become closer than we ever were before. So it can work, that kind of thing. And I think that, again, is like the day of reckoning comes and you think, who do I want to spend my time with? Um, and of course, we've also seen that with couples having turbo relationships getting together really quickly before lockdown and having to live together when they maybe didn't know each other so well because they had to make choices. I'm not too sure about what happens if my ex would leave me notes. We could go straight to, into the <laughs> bin, I think. But, but no, would so, they go in the bin? Yeah, they'll be going through it. I'd buy a shredder just for it. Call the, call the police. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no serious, I mean, I'm going to get told off for this, but you know what? It's a good story, so. Well, seriously, best of luck with that, of course. Thank you. Um, just a fi final two questions. Um, there will be a lot of people who've been using online dating apps, including eHarmony, messaging these people, and they've been messaging for a while. What advice would you give to them to sort of translate those messages into an actual date? You mean that people will be persisting and maybe they want a bit of help? Yeah, because they, they, you know, they'll be messaging people for quite a while, and now that they're able to do so, to actually do a physical date, how can you move from that? sort of state of messaging to, to, to um, the, the physical, you know, thing? Well, I would still 
obviously go for the video date first if it's easier to get the other person on board because that's the first step towards a physical date. That's yeah. the new, that is basically the new first date. Um, I would also we do, we do get I get people messaging me also on our social channels saying I need some help. You know, I've tried really hard. You know, on various apps, but um, how do I make it happen? How do I make it happen? And I know there is that. I think it's actually tougher for men in some ways because um, I don't know. I always get the impression, at least my hetero female friends seem to get a lot of choices, but they say the choices aren't always so great. It's <laughs> almost like they get quantity, um, whereas the men tend to get more quality but less. So I would say um, have some patience because it doesn't happen overnight. You know, we all want – we're such an instant culture. But, I mean, a study done a few years ago by us, and, again, the people that come to us are looking for something serious, so we've got to put it in that context. But it can take an average of sort of six months to find the one, inverted commas, you know, someone that you confidently begin a long-term relationship with. So the thing is about online dating, it can seem like it should be happening right now. You know, I'm just going to go on the app, but just persist, relax, be yourself, have the video date, and then just, you know, be courageous enough to suggest meeting up, but make it as stress-free as possible. Because as we've discussed, you know, people get nervous about physical dates. So sometimes they're just reticent because they're scared. So, you know, you want to keep it nice and simple. Agree to maybe meet in the park and have a little walk. You can get takeaway coffee from a kiosk. Um, you know, just uh, you could, I mean, hopefully there are things to go and see. I don't know, you know, obviously in London, there are lots of things you just can just go and look at. Um, if you're in the countryside, again, you can go for a walk or a little bike ride. Um, but I would just aim for, and, and the other thing to do is not draw the date out too long. So it's the first time you're meeting up. Just say to the other person that how about we just meet for an hour tops? Then I've got to be such and such a place after, but it'd just be lovely to spend an hour with you. That means then they're not sweating out thinking, oh God, what if this doesn't work and I've got to sit there for two or three hours or walk with them for you know an afternoon. So again, it's about just just managing people's expect expectations um, and staying positive. Thank you very much. Well, there's some great tips there and great, uh, great information. Is there anything you'd like to add? I would like to add that if you're going through a rough time in your relationship, just hang in there and don't make any rash decisions at the moment because we've just come through an extraordinarily stressful time. And for singles, never, ever give up on love. Even if you're happy in your own skin for now, just know that there are lots of people out there who would absolutely love you to bits. And it's just a question of when, not if. Rachel Lloyd, thank you very much. Thank you so much. That was my interview with relationship expert Rachel Lloyd from the dating service eHarmony. Thanks, Dan. Some really interesting stuff there. It sure is a brave new world of video dating. Of course, eHarmony is one of many dating websites and apps out there. We also spoke to Tinder and Bumble. Whilst they could not appear on the podcast, they provided some extra info. Yeah, they certainly did. Like eHarmony, Tinder has seen an increase of people using their app during lockdown. They said that they have seen daily conversations increase by an average of 20% around the world. And the average length of conversation has grown by a quarter. On just one day, on Sunday, the 29th of March, there were 3 billion, yep, 3 billion swipes globally, a record. Wow. 
Tinder also said that the pandemic is changing what we talk about on the app, with many members now asking their matches, are you okay? Or how are you feeling? I also spoke to dating app Bumble, who told me that more than half of users are seeking more meaningful relationships online after experiencing loneliness during lockdown. They added that pre-dates are here to stay with a third of users making the most of their in-app video dating service. Some great insight there into the world of dating apps and how things have changed over the past few months. Yeah, really great to see not only these apps being used for dating, but also friendship and a way to share compassion and thoughtfulness in a time where isolation and loneliness is so prominent. So Dan, how's the lockdown been for you so far? I have been using dating apps. Um, I've um, actually, just before the lockdown, I started dating someone. We went out, you know, on physical dates in the in Manchester, and then lockdown ensued. So we've had to replace that with uh, video dates or for Skype. Um, and it's been a great way to sort of carry on the conversation and everything. In lockdown, it's it's been strange, but you try to get as much as this normal life into this abnormal life. So even though you're on Skype, you you try to make the effort. You you, you have a few drinks anyway. You, you mm-hmm. tend to, you know, set a time and a day and try and make it as normal as possible. Now, on the other hand, it's not all plain sailing if you're in a relationship during the pandemic. In the earlier stages of lockdown, when the restriction of movement between households meant that couples that wished to stay together in a physical sense had to remain in the same household. Not only that, but many couples found themselves either furloughed or working from home together. For many, this 24-7 contact was an unusual prospect and has added strain to plenty of relationships across the UK. Alone together is more of a McIntyre spot to one of our listeners, Natasha Frew, who tells her about moving in with her boyfriend, Dave, but not just Dave, his family. Oh, the dog too. So, um, hi Natasha, how are you? Hello, Morvin. I'm good, thank you. So um, you moved in with your boyfriend, Dave. Um, and why did you decide to move in together? What was the situation? So we were actually supposed to be moving to London at the very end of March. Um, and we were going to move in together for the first time. Um, however, due to the lockdown, we obviously couldn't actually move to our new flat in London. Um, so I took the opportunity to actually just move in with Dave and his family instead, um, which did have a few benefits in terms of things like um, having a garden and having dogs and things. So it seemed like the best idea to um, pursue that idea for, for the time being. And obviously you moved in with not just Dave, but also his family. So how was that having the extra dynamic of not only living with him, but also his mum and dad and his siblings as well and his dogs? You've got a lot going on there. Yeah, so I was a little bit apprehensive at first, um, more so because I I did wonder if I really would be welcome. Um, I did feel like taking me into the house was a very big deal, especially in this situation. Um, However, Everyone in the family was so lovely and welcoming. Um, I got on really well with everyone. Um, and having actually that many people in the house made it really quite fun. Um, and I do think if it had only been two of us or even just myself, uh, lockdown would have been a lot more lonely. So when you moved in together, did you notice any initial strains in the relationships or any annoying habits that your other half might have that really grated on you? <laughs> um, yeah, I think... 
it was definitely more difficult at the beginning because everything was so new um, and we hadn't lived in such close proximity before. Um, and also because there was so much uncertainty as well, uh, there was there was definitely little strains here and there and little annoying habits that um, we definitely did notice with each other. Um, however, I would say with time, it actually got easier because you just adapt and get used to the situation. Um, and overall, it definitely did strengthen our relationship. And how did you give each other space? So I don't know what the situation was. So um, were you both working from home or how did that work? So um, it actually worked out really well. Um, I was furloughed and Dave was actually working from home. So he would generally work um, in his study area from about nine until five every day uh, during the week. And I think this was actually really a really good situation because um, I myself, I'm quite good at keeping myself busy. I'm quite creative. So I was quite happy to just enjoy myself and do as much, everything that I could do whilst being on furlough. Um, whereas Dave does quite like to kind of have a routine and keep busy all the time. So the fact that he was still working was really good. Um, and it did mean that actually we were only really seeing each other in the evenings every day. Um, which which definitely gave us a bit more space that I think we needed. So finally, have you got any, you kind of touched on a bit of that there, but have you got any tips and advice to couples that might be feeling the pressure after months inside together? So obviously now restrictions have been lifted and we're able to meet other households in an outdoor space and things like that. Mm-hmm. But did you find that um, at some points it was a bit cabin feverish and yeah, did you have any tips that you could share? You did mention that you did do some creative things like doing the cocktails and stuff, but are there any other takeaways that you think other listeners might be interested in? Um, I think one of the things that I definitely learned was you need to respect each other's space. Um, I think what really worked well with us was sometimes in the evenings, if we didn't feel like we wanted to do something together, um, we would just do something on our own, um, something different that was enjoyable. So for example, Dave, um, usually on a Thursday night, did a poker night with his friends on Zoom and they played poker over Zoom. And whilst he did that, it meant I had some free time myself to do something that I really wanted to do, which quite often involved even just speaking on the phone to my family or speaking to other friends. Uh, So I think giving each other a little bit of space when possible. um, I think we definitely got very much in the habit of being okay to say I don't want to do that tonight and without hurting the other person's feelings um it was it was just accepting that that person wanted some space (laughs) yeah no that's important for sure well thank you very much Natasha um I'm hopefully other people can relate to some of the things that you were talking about there and I think it's been a testing time for a lot of couples whether they've moved in together or whether you know they're living separately and they've not managed to see each other for long periods of time so thank you very much Thank you very much for having me. That was more of a McIntyre speaking with listener Natasha through about her experiences. And she's not the only one who's had to move in with their partner during lockdown, is she, Matt? That's right. Well, yeah, during the during the lockdown, my, my girlfriend moved in with me and my housemate in our apartment, which was, um, I have to say, very positive. Um, you'd think that a situation like that would be uh, somewhat stressful, although... Um, we all, we all, all, all friends and, and got on very well. So do you, do you have to say that because she, she might be listening? <laughs> of course, of course. She's the, the podcast's biggest fan. But no, I think we, we went traveling together 
uh, about a year or so ago and actually spent just over a month living together in a in a tiny van so i think that put us in in very good stead for lockdown i think we were we were practiced and prepared uh, obviously you've been together for a while have you found out anything new with this sort of new experience um no other than apparently it's very annoying when i um when i don't load the dishwasher properly when i stack the um you know the plates and cups and everything on, <laughs> on top of the work surface rather than loading the dishwasher i've found out that that is apparently the most annoying thing ever so uh, i suppose that's a close proximity thing isn't it the little things are amplified into these big annoyances <laughs> that's but I'm, I'm glad i'm I'm glad you're still on friendly terms after it. Yes, yep. Well, we've got some tips, haven't we, for those who might be struggling. We have indeed. Now, the strain upon a relationship does not just apply under the strict social restrictions of lockdown. As we find ourselves coming out of the lockdown, we have come to know so well. Couples that have spent the past few months locked up together must now also adapt once more as we return to work or re-enter into a normal-ish way of life. The lockdown has also seen the rise of so-called turbo relationships, with new couples seemingly quicker to commit. A new report by Relate the Harmony looks at these turbo relationships, and to discuss their findings, I spoke to Dee Holmes. She's the senior practice consultant at Relate. She has experience with couple counselling, family counselling, and children counselling, and offer some great tips for strong relationships. I'm going to keep the, the questions quite general, really. But the, the, the first thing is, this is a, a common comment, I, I think, not just me, but other people have said with mm. the lockdown, that there's either going to be more divorces or more children because of the lockdown. Is there any truth in that? Um, I suppose that we're going to have coming out of it, um, you know, probably a peak in things like separation and divorce, because there will be that element of those marriages or couple relationships that will have ended that have been sort of on hold so to speak so you know we do know that Christmas and the summer holidays are often a trigger for people um, you know separating and I think that's a bit of the last straw thing which we will have had with this there will have been people who will have gone into lockdown with relationships in a difficult place that obviously it's it's amplified that and as soon as they can they will want to move on and end them and likewise there will be people who you know, found their relationships have sort of been regenerated and things have improved a lot. Um, I mean, I guess the thing about babies is, is yes, people have been at home, not going out as much. Um, I think that's that's an interesting one. I mean, I think there are some people who perhaps are con- have got concerns about their jobs or when this is going to be over and might have put plans to have a baby on hold. But there will also be people who think, oh, goodness, you know, life's too short, let's get on with it. Um, so I think that will be an interest, interesting one to watch in the next nine nine months or so. I suppose in terms of sex as well, uh, you know, we, we'd, we would imagine that people would have more sex because they're, they're locked in the same places, but that might not be true. There might be parents who've had to teach their children and at the end of the day they're, they're knackered. So that... I think that's very true. I think there are people, you know, it depends on your situation, isn't it? If you're a couple of alone at home or you know one of the couples who've moved in together for lockdown then you obviously have got plenty of time and opportunity to have plenty of sex but as you say for people who perhaps have suddenly had children come home from university or their children home all day and homeschooling them and trying to keep everyone occupied and working from home and juggling it they may well be as you say too tired at the end of the day to think that sex is something that they've got time for you know they're just busy keeping everything afloat 
What common issues have you been hearing from couples during the lockdown? I think the the normal issues that we have always sort of had will keep coming, you know, people's communication. Um, I think things that have come out of sort of lockdown that have been different have perhaps been the fact that people might have had different opinions on the lockdown rules. That's something that, you know, and and around that thing of homeschooling children and how you manage that. People have been pushed together a lot more and in and have not had that space from each other. So there's been more opportunity for arguments to happen around that. But certainly I think the thing that I would say is related directly to the um, lockdown has been that difference in interpreting the rules or difference in how seriously somebody is taking it as well. That's been a friction area for some couples. The lockdown has seen a lot of couples who maybe in the very early parts of the relationship have seen their relationships escalate quite quickly. Like you said, they've had to move in together, probably. And the, the term that's been used is a turbo relationship. Do you think that this sort of turbo relationship can be too soon for couples? Well, I think that it, it's, I suppose, a bit of a make or break, isn't it? That people will have suddenly, you know, if we, if we assume... As, as the research seems to be showing us that people feel they've moved through perhaps the first two years of a relationship in several months, um, you know, that that will have given them the opportunity to either think, actually, this is really, we're, we're getting on well, this is working, or it will have re- made them reach a point of, oh, actually, I'm not so sure this is a relationship I want to be in. Um, as to sort of the future, I think the difficulty there is for people managing the coming out of lockdown, because you've almost been in that sort of if you were in a new relationship you're already in that bit of a bubble of a new relationship if you then on top of that put yourselves you know in a lockdown together so you're in your own little bubble together coming out of it you you're back to real life and you know managing the extended family when you're introducing them to your family when the when the sort of other stresses and strains come in of picking up your social life and how much of that you do together and apart so i think some couples may have to start looking at what it's like outside that bubble um, and, you know, and hopefully they will have had a good basis in this time together to, to do that and move on from that. What tips would you have for these people who are in these, you know, turbo relationships? I thought you might ask me that next. <laughs> um, I think coming out of that, you know, if you're in a turbo relationship and, you, you know, you've had this time together and you're now feeling very much coupled up and you're now negotiating going back to normal or the new new normal I think um, the things there really is to talk about the expectations you both have you know don't make assumptions you know I think that's true of any relationship communicate what you're thinking and feeling and and ask the other person what they're thinking and feeling um, and accept that everyone is going to react differently to the sort of going forward and how they're coming out of lockdown. So I think you need to be considerate of other people's opinions and feelings and really listen to them and accept them. Um, so I think I think there's something about, you know, making sure you you realise that you are on the same page and you're not making those assumptions really. Um, you know, arguments are going to happen in any relationship. If you've had that blissful first few months and you haven't had many arguments and now you feel that they might be starting to come along over difference of opinions just remember that that's quite normal and that's part of the sort of sorting things out in a way but it's how you deal with those arguments and how you argue together and how you speak together and respect each other when you're disagreeing that's 
the important thing. The um, lockdown has seemed, obviously, people feel more committed than ever, but at the same time, the lockdown's made people realise, well, perhaps that relationship is over. And this is not just turbo relationships, but relationships generally. Mm. I, I know in relate, obviously, you try to help couples stay together, but there might be some instances where that's simply not going to happen. How can people get out of that relationship as mm. painlessly as possible? And I think, I mean, you say we want people to stay together. And yes, ultimately, I think, you know, most most counsellors do. We, we all want a happy ending. But I think we also recognise that quite often for people coming to relate, it's it's about ending that relationship in the best way possible, especially where there are a children concerned, because whether you're still in a relationship or not, you're still going to be parents. So, I mean, I think for people who are, you know, at that stage now and facing the end of a relationship, um, you know, whilst not everybody needs to to go to counselling to to end the relationship. I mean, we are obviously at relate used to that sort of work, and it, it can be quite useful to have you know have that space and that time to to end something well, really, so that you can move on. Um, and that doesn't mean raking over everything that's gone wrong. It just means being able to accept that that this has reached a natural end, and and and, move, and decide how you're going to move on and what the ground rules are about going forward um so I think it is again it's about being honest and I think there will be some people who've lived through this lockdown with the knowledge that they you know want to end a relationship when it's over and now they're getting to that point of having to do that and that's that will have been quite difficult that will have felt like quite a heavy burden I would imagine for someone to carry through this time and when we talk about relationships, like so, I know we've discussed the turbo relationships, but there are some relationships where there are going to be families involved. So it's not just the partners themselves, but it's the families as well. Mm. How do you sort of maintain sort of a family relationship in the lockdown, but also coming out of it into this new normal? Because it might have been quite a fraught being stuck together for so long. Yes, that's right. I mean, I think all sorts of, you know, it's it's been a reset time for people, hasn't it? And I think that means that it's been a reset time of, um, you know, being able to rediscover some of those pleasures of being a family at home and not having outside pressures and influences and the need to go to your, whether it's your evening class or your gym session or whatever. Um, but then also that's created, you know, for some people a feeling of nowhere to escape to. And, and I suppose you hope that, you know, I think we've all heard a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to keep doing this after lockdown's over. And so I suppose it is about perhaps, you know, perhaps in a family situation about being able to, to have a bit of a family conference on what's been good about lockdown. What are some of the things that we want to keep going? Um, so, you know, the good things that we might want to keep going are the fact that we've, you know, spent more time together, that we've got into a routine of, you know, watching the television together or playing a game or going for walks together. I certainly know I've seen lots of families out of walks together early on in lockdown and you sort of hope that those good parts will continue. Relate is launching their first ever Relationships Week and that's going to be on the 20th of July, I believe, with the theme of Relationships Unlocked. Could you sort of describe what exactly that's going to entail? Yeah, I think we've recognised that, you know, lockdowns had a big, big effect on all relationships, you know, positively and negatively. And so one of the things we wanted to do at Relate was to sort of have a relationships week focusing on relationships. Um, and we've sort of 
you know, titled that, hashtag that relationship rocks. And one of the things we've wanted to do is is have get people to take part in our sort of social media campaign and and share, you know, what have been the good relationships that have got them through lockdown. So if you go to our website, relate.org.uk and then slash relationships um, hyphen week, you'll find all the details there um, and lots of links to things. But also in that week, we're also going to be putting up a lot of tips um, and content during the week on that on that page. And we're looking the other side a bit about how Relate can support your relationships. You know, going back to what you said, people who've had a difficult time who want to improve things or who might be realising that actually the relationship is ending, you know, won't be celebrating their relationships necessarily. But we're still we're here to help support what happens next for them. So we want it to be all-encompassing, really. I think the, the, the key thing is communication. And if you mm. could sort of sum up in maybe a sentence or two good tips of how to be how to get communication right between people in terms of the relationships, what would that be? I think one of the things that's always struck me as a counsellor in the, in the room with couples is that um, people often don't, just don't say the thing that's there. They, they assume the partner might know it. So I think it's very easy for people to say, you know, as a counsellor, you might ask them a question and they will answer it and their partner will look and say, gosh, I didn't know that. And then they'll say, well, you never asked me. And then they'll say, well, you never told me. And I think it's really important probably for all of us to think when we're, when we're feeling unhappy or when we're feeling happy and we want to share that with someone, trying to think, what are we actually feeling here? And how can I tell this person that and and ask that person you know people often will just go along thinking someone's not happy I wonder what's wrong so I think it is come out with it and ask those questions there's something um that you know one of the one of the things that people talk about is love languages and you know you can sort of google that and search that but I think it's a really good way of explaining you know we all have different ways that we show our love and accept love from people and we expect that the other person will be on the same wavelength and they're not. I, I sort of liken it in a simplistic way to a bit like choosing a present. You might go out and choose a, a birthday present for someone because, and think to yourself, this is lovely. I really would like to receive this. And you give it to them and they don't seem that pleased with it. And they're actually thinking, well, this is all right, but it's not really what I want. And that's what we sometimes do in our relationships. We're giving somebody something. And actually, they want something different from us, and we're not really realizing that. So I think it's quite important to explore how do you show your love to each other, and how are you accepting love from another person? I'd like to say thank you very much for your time. Is there anything you'd like to add? I don't think so. No, I think that's covered everything. If um, you know, I would just say, obviously, on our website, there's plenty of hits hints and tips and links to different things so for anyone who's listening who wants to know more about whether relate is the place for them or just look at some hints and tips go along and and do that that's perfect some really good advice there and i really appreciate your time d holmes thank you very much that was my chat with relates d holmes and that's all we've got time for today on this bumper episode of Alone Together. It's certainly good to be back. Uh, So thank you to our guests and thank you for listening to our podcast. So stay safe, stay positive, stay informed and stay tuned.
This has been a laudable production from the newsrooms of Birmingham Live, the Edinburgh Evening News and the Manchester Evening News. You can download Alone Together wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. And you can keep in touch with me, Matt and Morven by following Laudable on Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pod, or by searching for Laudable underscore podcast on Instagram. If you've got some interesting relationship experiences during lockdown, do get in touch and we'll, we'll uh, try and read them out on the next episode. But for now, see you next time.